Sledge Lords. Danny in a bunny costume. Adam talking about bodybuilding right before mm-hmm. we got into this. Mm-hmm. And before the show started, you walked up on me. You and I hadn't even said hi yet. You pushed your phone in my face and said, got 200,000 more TikTok followers for Plug Talk. <laughs> and I'm just like, You took it as like an attack. I was just it was, telling, dude. I was telling you just because I, I was like, oh, we had 400K when we went to Vegas, and now we have 630K. That's crazy. Because, believe it or not, I don't think about that very often. So I was just, I was just genuinely like, whoa, that, that's grown a lot, Danny. Look at this. You happen to be the person who's sitting next to me. Uh-huh. I could have easily told Sydney, Michael, uh-huh. Bossa Nova. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it was just a, like, hey, Danny, look what's happening. And But also, it made it worse that being attacked. I was getting out of my Mercury Sable 2008 that's overflowing with trash, and you peeled out into the parking lot. You drifted into it, actually, and then you pulled up next to me, and you went beep, beep, like the wheels that's what you said. <laughs> that did not happen. I was like, at first I was hearing that story like, oh, did I see you in the parking lot? You did. And I just like didn't see you? And Adam, no, he drives a $100,000 plus BMW, and he made sure to flash the keys in front of me with the logo out. All of this is a lie. And then he hit me with the TikTok thing. And it's like, dude, I mean, have some respect for the salt of the earth people like me. The thing, Oh, yeah. This is the difference between having gained 200,000 TikTok followers in a in a month or however long it's been versus gaining 200,000 YouTube subscribers in a live in a month is that if you gain 200,000 on YouTube, you are almost certainly making more money or yeah. your life has gotten better in some way. Yeah. You can gain a lot of followers on TikTok and your life doesn't change in any way. Mm-hmm. As I know tons of people who have millions of followers on TikToks who, who are realistically total nobodies. Yeah. Nothing going for them outside of, having a million followers on TikTok. And I don't say that to attack them. I just say that because it's kind of mind-blowing to me. I mean, my barber has half a million on TikTok. So my barber has twice as much as me. I would say... Not anymore. He, the, the he is a, he's yeah. a very good-looking guy. Okay. Muscular. Yeah. Tattoos. Uh-huh. Is that the reason you go to him? Nice face. Okay. No, I've just, I actually didn't even really think of him as a piece of ass until I realized he had so many TikTok followers. Does he ever press himself up against you while he's cutting? Not so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In your dreams, maybe. No, but I'm just saying that like being hot matters a lot on TikTok, mm. which is something apparently I'm struggling with. What are the perks of being big on TikTok? Indonesian boys in your direct messages. Yeah. More surveillance dedicated to you by the CCP. If you get, you know, 100 million views in a month, you might make like an extra like $400. Wow. Something like that. Somebody told me. There was this guy who I sort of know. He was really big on YouTube from 2012, 2014, like the prank era. So, Sam, uh, Sam Pepper. No, oh. not Sam Pepper. But that era when like Vitali and Sam Pepper were making a million dollars every couple of months on YouTube by just right. faking pranks. Well, he blew up on TikTok. I had one video blow up and he, he said he spent all the money on an Ashton Martin. And... I don't know if he's lying about how much money he made. From having a video blow up on TikTok? A couple of videos blow up on TikTok. I, one time I saw Mr. Beast post an image of how much money he had made off TikTok, and it was for like billions and billions of views, and it was $15,000. Yeah. That's like probably one of the biggest creators. That's- I think if you want to buy an Ashton Martin off TikTok money, it's going to take you like the better part of a decade, yeah. maybe. Yeah. If you're a chick and you're using that to bolster your prostitution business, then we can talk about luxury cars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's why we're in this biz. It's because when we do plug talk stuff, it promotes the OnlyFans. 
But the OnlyFans is suffering right now, I've heard, because Adam came down with a little something. I, yeah, I didn't want to like discuss this, but hey, why not? There's a thing that's taken the industry by storm. It's called microplasma. Mm-hmm. It's basically this like bacterial infection. The typical STD tests that they give you don't test for it. Mm-hmm. So as a result, a ton of people in the industry have gotten it. And it's an extra sneaky thing because you you can have it for like a couple of weeks easily without knowing. It doesn't really like hurt. It just feels a little weird. And meanwhile, like you can spread it to people super easily. Mm-hmm. And it's like they don't test for it. So it's like now you kind of have almost, in my opinion, this is how it's going to work. It's going to be like a cast system developing within the porn world. Because I love it. For instance, for Plug Talk, we're saying you need to have a fresh mycoplasma test or we're not going to shoot with you. These things are like multiple hundreds of dollars. So just this one test is much more than the typical tests, which means that basically it, broke bitches are not going to be able to do this shit a couple times a month. Yeah. Whereas people who actually are doing well in the business are able to. So I think that they should actually establish and declare a moratorium and not let anybody shoot for like a month. Mm. doesn't seem like that's going to happen mm. but i do feel like it's there's something that's developing and also like if i hadn't had it i wouldn't be taking it so serious yeah you'd just be thinking like oh yeah that's something that's happened to a few people here and there but having had it i understand that this shit sucks and i know a bunch of porn girls who are like really like mad as fuck right now like sitting at home on antibiotics can't do shit for like yeah. a month straight and can't it's fuck. and then the problem is is that next time we shoot are we going to just get it again because the fucking testing sucks? The good know. news is I, I like the cast system. Mm. And the good news is now probably the chicks that you and Lennon are going to be sleeping with. Eights and above only, which is great. The bad news is I think God is punishing all of you for your sinful lifestyles. That has occurred to me. Yeah, yeah I think God, it's just like AIDS. It's just like COVID. Now we got microplasms. And you couldn't come to the gym and train jujitsu with me last week because you were afraid of getting mat herpes on top of your microplasm. Okay. I only have a couple months to get, like, I'm taking a month off for honeymoon slash wedding, right? Yeah. So you'll see me on TikTok hanging out in Italy, but you're not going to see me doing pods and stuff like that. So we might want to pre record a couple episodes if okay. possible, by the way. Okay. But not being able to shoot right now like the whole goal was to shoot a ton leading up to going on the honeymoon right and instead it's like oh no we're sitting around on antibiotics so it's like i really don't feel like i can take the risk of getting mat herpes or uh, scabies or ringworm ringworm or all these other things that you literally told me that you got like the other day yeah yeah i just don't think i can take that risk right now even though i would really like to I kind of feel like I have to get ahead. And it reminds me of like my friend who went to Berkeley for playing guitar when I was in Berkeley Music School? Yes, like mm. college era. And, yeah. he, and he was like super into death metal and black metal and stuff. And he rode BMX with us. And over time, I started to realize like, oh, this dude's not coming out riding because he feels like even a slight like injury to his hands would basically be like the end of his guitar career. Uh, was he Asian? It's no. an, a very Asian attitude. But White hear me boy. out on this, dude. I say you come, you start training with me. Start training with me about four times a week. You know, we work on your half guard. We work on your knee cut passes. You consummate the marriage in Florence. The first time you make love <laughs> to Lena as man and woman. Tap her up. You give her a ringworm, a vaginal oh, ringworm, wow. dude. And you tap her out. She would love that. No, she's made it very clear that she wants to be able to uh, be free sexually with it. 
with me while we're on the honeymoon. So I'm really trying to make sure that I don't have anything at that time. Have you guys thought about monetizing your wedding night sex? She is planning a, a, a sort of like bridal scene of sorts. You guys are filming it? Yeah. Can I be in the background jerking off? I would love that. Yeah. That would be incredible. <laughs> Can I be dressed up? We should do it Renaissance style. You should be Michelangelo mm. and I should be your squire. Just like a poor boy from the city who you occasionally ass rape. So and you're saying that we should do gay and... porn? No, 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 oh, no. Oh, we're no, not no. going to fuck each other. This is the backstory, you asshole. Oh, right, right, right. We're doing art right now. Right. The backstory is that Lena is your lover, like your official lover, and I am, your again, your squire. I mix your paints, I clean your brushes, and occasionally you use my asshole as a jizz receptacle when you're frustrated after a long night of painting. That's the backstory. But I'm going to be in the room watching you make love because that makes you more comfortable. Right. We're doing art in here, dude. What's up? T-Rail. T-Rail looks in and says, cut the gay shit. He caught it on the big monitor out front and had to walk in and say something. Well, you want to know something crazy and why he is probably here right now is because we had a little team vote and we decided that we are the Tuesday night podcast that we normally do live at 6 p.m. Yeah. We are now pre-recording Monday morning. To not cause drama. As no, drama no, no, has no. Been Every, Everybody thinks that that's the reason. No, it's actually mostly just because of the fact that like I wake up at 6 in the morning. Yeah. So by 6 p.m., I feel like I am not where I should be yeah. mentally. Mm -hmm. Like I just my my brain is in it's the end of the day, let's relax yep. mode. Me too. And so I've kind of noticed myself like dreading more and more Tuesdays just because it's like I'm up at six in the morning, I have to work out, I have to do a bunch of other stuff. And usually that Tuesday is a good day where I'm like doing a bunch of interviews and then I have to get on camera at six PM and sure. try to be like the best version of myself after already kind of really exhausting mm -hmm. myself Monday and Tuesday. So and and I feel like these guys have been influenced by it too because they've decided that they are their Wednesday night pod that normally happens at six p.m. They are preemptively starting to record that Tuesday morning because I think that they all enjoyed the early morning experience as well. Uh, soon the gangsters in this building are going to throw out the blunts, start drinking kombuchas. Yeah, it's no a big shift here at No. Jumper. None of them are weed smokers though. T. Rel, Ad, and Duno. I uh, I like the squad that you guys have at night. Like podcasting with Lush and Terrell, I had a fun time doing that. But w did you feel a little weird about having to be up that late? I'm the same as you. I wake up at 6 a.m. And I, the Leo and Danny show podcast, we do at 5.30. So right. I know what you're talking about. The worst thing for me, I can get through a later podcast. But then when I get home, there's no time for anything else. And if you have a yeah. wife and a kid, that's an issue. Yeah, and that's part of why I started to dread it is because it, it just feels kind of unnecessary for me to be getting home at 8.30 or 9.00. And it's like realistically, I'm trying to go to bed by like 10, 10 30. So it's like getting home with just an hour to like unwind. And realistically, I got to like talk to my girl. I probably have some emails or some bullshit I got to do. It's not like I'm getting any relaxation in yeah. when I get home, which yeah, is yeah. to me, I really like to have my day laid out so I can have, you know, at least like an hour or two of being able to like sort of be to myself in goblin mode on the computer doing whatever watching in the jerk shack in the jerk masturbating shack, furiously working on my load size because <laughs> i feel like it's kind of gone down over the last couple of weeks in goblin mode. you think trl still listening i'm kind of want to that dude in a trl i would bend that guy over and put my thumb right up his asshole oh my god i would just the things i would do to that guy with my tongue and my penis and my fingers they're he's saying not, he's not, not out there but holy shit that's some gay stuff right it's, there, man. it's pretty gay but it's the truth I feel like you might not want to talk about your rape fantasies of T-Row. Who said it was going to be rape? He's from a very dangerous criminal organization that I shall not name. Uh -huh. Well, there's only two choices. And they're known for systematically raping white comedians such as yourself. 
No, they're not. I'm just kidding. This, but. See, this is my struggle, okay? I need to write a book about this called My Struggle. It's about <laughs> it's <my> str- black <laughs> gangsters trying to rape me. Okay, so back to me being in the room when you make the marriage official. I'm going to be out there, dude. No. You are going to be hanging out with AD and T-Rell, though. How many and you're going to be coming? apologizing for saying that you wanted to put your finger up his ass. I will apologize to him at some point flying over the Atlantic, okay? Because okay. him and I are going to be on the same flight. <laughs> you're going to approach him on the plane? Are you going to fly me out private? What's going on? Do we I'm, I'm ch- flying myself private. I didn't even... I, wasn't, I was unwilling to buy first-class tickets to my own wedding. How many people are coming? Not, I don't know. Not that many. Yeah, there's a big financial barrier here. Yeah. You're trying to get sponsored? I'm definitely going to try to get the video sponsored when I go out there. Oh, I thought you meant by me. Oh, Plug Talk sponsors the Danny Mullen video. Ooh. Mm. Think about it, dude. My CPMs will be reasonable. For you, I can do, we'll say, 80 per, C- per thousand views. $80. Wow. That sounds fair, yeah. That's, that's way that. above industry standard, but I am crossing the, the Atlantic Ocean. Let me ask you this as long yeah. as we're to- on the topic of romance. What did you do for Valentine's Day? Because I asked this question on the No Jumper show, yeah. and uh, Lush is single, and AD and T-Row. Well, T-Row's been in a relationship for 12 years. Yeah, yeah. So his romance bone seems to not be necessarily uh, yeah. where it should be. And AD didn't – it wasn't the most enthusiastic uh, portrayal of what Valentine's Day was going to be like. So I'm wondering if maybe you went a little bit harder. We are corny white boys who seem to do this kind of thing, right? Uh, oh, I'm going to disappoint <laughs> you here. My girlfriend's been in Thailand, by the way. Ah. She's been in Thailand sending me sad videos. She went to an elephant preserve. So I FaceTimed her yesterday, and this is the story I got on Valentine's Day. She went to an elephant place, and her and her family are like, oh, my God, it's, there's going to be Babar there, and we're going to be able to ride Babar. Him, and it's there are going to be these beautiful <laughs> elephants. They get there. There's one sad-looking little baby elephant in shackles mm. that Asian people are riding around and cursing at in Thai. Right. So that just... I mean, that basically ruined their vacation. Oh, so your girl's gone for Valentine's Day to abuse elephants. To financially support people who abuse elephants. Definitely. No, but that's funny because that was my exact experience when I went to Thailand is that we met these girls and they had these little fucking motorcycles and I got on the back of this like 100-pound girl's motorcycle. She's a grown woman, but she's tiny. You know, yeah, she's tiny. yeah. And uh, we, we... You have to specify that when you're in Thailand. <laughs> I'm with <laughs> you. <laughs> but, uh, and then she's we, a grown woman, I swear. We drive off to this like shooting range, right? It's like an outdoor thing with all these guns or whatever that you can rent and shoot them. And it's like so much less strict than it would be in America yeah. because my friends are literally able to take loaded fucking handguns and just be like, you know, pointing them like back towards the crowd and like yeah. all this shit. And I was like 19 and I was too scared to shoot a gun, which is kind of embarrassing as an adult. But there I, it sounds reasonable. I just didn't want to do it. But they had an elephant that, again, was shackled up and they said, you know, you give them a couple of bot, whatever it is, yeah. and, you, and you fucking the, the elephant picks you up and holds you up in the air. And that's why there is online a photo of me lifted up in the air by an elephant when I was 19. By a shackled slave elephant. Yeah, pretty much. By an elephant that when it goes, that translates to kill me. Kill me. Mm -hmm. I think, but do you feel bad about enslaving animals? I feel like if anything, you know, that I feel totally okay with all the animal abuse that I'm involved in, whether it's like paying a a slaughterhouse to kill an animal for me so I can eat it for breakfast Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. chaining up an elephant so I can take a cute photo with it or keeping my dog in a tiny cage so that he just learns some life lessons. Yeah. (laughs) Experiences some fucking hardship for once. 
He, he actually doesn't. He, he doesn't stay in the cage anymore for the ring. Yeah, he's out. I, he's I think I think he should be in the cage. Yeah. There is a hierarchy of animals, but it's so artificial mm. that we have in our mind. Like we think, oh, dogs—they're man's best friend. We love them, but. Any Asian man on the street will just as soon eat a golden retriever as take it to the dog park. Mm. That's different for them. For me, elephants are higher IQ, and that you know people say they've got good memories and all that. So I feel like they should be free. But I really don't have enough uh, space in my head to care that seriously about enslaved elephants in Thailand. Well, it it just shows you the cost of enslaving an animal because. If the price that I would have to pay in order to live an animal cruelty-free lifestyle is that I would no longer be able to consume animal protein yeah. and I would have to be a vegan who's just like wolfing down like seven salads a day to try to get to my caloric intake, I'm not willing to do that. I would much rather just kill sure. leagues of animals every day. Leagues, battalions. Leagues. Yes, any, any, any formation. Or if they told me, like, hey, you guys can still eat steaks, but now all cows need to be on free-range programs where they're eating high-quality, non-GMO diets, and then they're going to be killed gracefully and humanely at the end of their lifespan, but the steak price is going to triple, we'd also be like, fuck that. Give me the cows that they drag into a slaughterhouse and then shoot in the fucking forehead in front of their kids. Or the metal bolt. That's what they do, right? They have them like just sort of in this like very confined space where they like almost strap their head in place. And I think instead of even like wasting a bullet on them, it's just like a rod that blasts into their brain and then pulls out real quick. And that's how they kill the. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, mm. I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, we're totally fine with it. Because but, in our Western culture, see, Indians, they must think we're savages because they love mm, cows. Dude. Well, But it's funny because at some point, I know that my kid is going to hear from some untrustworthy news source mm. that it's cruel to kill animals. Uh-oh. And she's going to, you know, use her limited brain power mm-hmm. when she's six years old or whatever. It's like, I don't want to eat animals anymore. It's mean. And I'm going to have to explain to her, like, no, this is an important part of who we are. Yeah as human beings is that we need to exert our dominance Mm -hmm. upon animals by paying someone in another country to kill them and then consuming them. Yeah. And then you're going to, or even here, and then you're going to slaughter an animal in front of her to teach her a lesson. Maybe a chicken. You should give her a knife and make her kill a chicken if she comes home and starts talking about animal liberation. When she turns a certain age, that's how she becomes a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Behead this chicken for me, child. It'll, you know how if your dad catches you sneaking a smoke behind the, the the tool shed, he makes you smoke the whole pack? Right. If she comes home with a pita pin, be like, hey, here's a steak knife. Kill this puppy I just rescued from the pound. But if you want to rescue your child from veganism, I think it's important that you be pretty open-minded about their veganism and allow them to you know, get a bunch of terrible lifelong life-ending diseases as a result of not consuming animal protein, which is what I would assume would happen. Yeah, absolutely. You you have to allow them to make that mistake. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, she'll, uh, I don't know what happens. She'll get woozy at school more often, maybe faint a couple of times. Yeah. And you need to explain to her too. It's like, hey, if daddy can't eat meat, how's he going to be bench pressing on TikTok and gaining 200,000 fans in a weekend? Right. That's important, too. That's a big part of your lifestyle. Yeah, because my kid's a pretty big fan of, like, the exercising that seems to go on in our garage. Like, she just comes out and, like, watches us work out. She's very excited about it. I might have to tell her at some point, like, if you don't eat animals, you're going to max out at about a 14-pound bench press. So 
Not good. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, daddy, if you like watching daddy go with the bar, then many, many more cows have to die, sweetie. I think about this a lot. It's like, at what point in your life do you have to basically explain to your kid that boys are bigger and stronger and that there's just inherent differences between you? Oh. I think about that. Like the other day I watched a skate video and there was like a girl section in it. And I was just thinking like... At what point do you end up having that conversation with your kid? Like, why is why are the boys in this video like ten times better than the girls? Well, many would say, Adam, never. But I mean, did you see? I've already ranted on this a couple of times. Did you see the the Super Bowl ad with the chick, the flag football chick, who's like smoking a bunch of NFL Pro Bowlers in football? I didn't a- see that. According to the people who put that ad together. Maybe everybody involved with that ad is so deluded that they really think a five foot five Latina woman is a better football player than Jalen Ramsey from the Los Angeles Rams. Mm. But she jukes him. She jukes Cam Hayward and this guy in the Lions who is like a Pro Bowl defensive tackle. And but is it meant to be kind of sarcastic? I didn't see it, but is it meant to kind of like poke fun because obviously we all know that some hot model chick is not going to be better at football than a bunch of professional football players i don't think so it seemed to me completely sincere really oh i gotta see this it seemed to me completely sincere i had a chick you're the talk you're thinking about having is very important adam i had a girlfriend in college who i forget how the conversation came up exactly but we were talking about war and how men are the guys who go and actually fight the wars. And she went, yeah, but that's all just a societal construct. Like, women are just as able to fight as men are. And at the time, I don't think I pushed back on that, which is one of the primary regrets of my life. Well, when you're trying to get ass, you got to ignore a lot of stupid shit. you got to talk about astrology with women. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just like a lot of shit you put mm-hmm. up with when you're in that mm-hmm. dating single world. Yeah, I'm a triple Scorpio, and you being a Pisces, I think we're totally compatible. And yeah, the, the ancient Amazon tribes, they had women as their foremost warriors. So what are we doing here, babe? Wow, that's amazing that they kind of could just be so led into just misinformation like that. You know what I did yesterday? Oh, no, but actually, I just, I just want to finish the thought about the having that conversation with your kid because you know the easiest way to do it would be to say well let's watch like a video of the 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 strongest man in the world and the strongest woman in the world doing the same lift right and let's just acknowledge that the guy's lifting like three times as much weight Uh and that doesn't mean women are bad but that just means that realistically Uh the average man is born stronger or whatever than than women but how do you have that conversation with someone who's at a young age and obviously she's two so i'm not thinking about having this anytime soon but how do you have that conversation that their brain doesn't just interpret it as girls are not as good as boys because i feel like the the six-year-old's brain is seven-year-old's brain whatever at whatever point you might end up having that conversation I feel like that's the most likely interpretation. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like a thing I overall worry about with parenting is like dumbing down the points because really nuanced points are going to be really hard to get across mm-hmm. to a young kid. What's the worst case scenario you're worried about? For me, the biggest danger of women not knowing their disadvantage in the strength department is when you see a chick getting a guy's face at a bar because the guy at the bar did something insulting to the girl's guy friend. Mm. You see that two guys have a dispute and some chick who's in the orbit of one of the guys rushes up into the rival guy's face and starts mouthing off. Right. 
Usually in civilized society, that's very annoying. I've been the guy who's got a, a five foot three spicy Latina woman saying, step off, fool, step off, fool, in my face. And I, of course, just back away and get out of there and be like, hit her with a Camorra. Hit her with a Camorra. <laughs> you know, no evidence when the police come asking questions. But wow. you see Wipe those down clips. her neck. <laughs> Wipe off your arm so there's no evidence. Yeah, you got to get it off. Yeah, get her <sighs> glitter and her perfume off me. But there are you'll see clips occasionally of a dude just hauling off and knocking that chick unconscious. Right. Is that your biggest fear as a father that that's going to happen to your daughter? I feel like when you put it like that, I think just drinking in general is probably like got to be one of your biggest fears as a father. Because when you drink, you are intentionally turning yourself into a retard uh -huh. and biting off more than you can chew and, yeah. and putting yourself into all these situations. And as an old man who hates drunk people and doesn't want to ever be around them, that's kind of the scary thing is that one day your child could start to think that it's dope to get fucked up. Like I was, I was having a conversation with a, a rapper the other day and I said, uh, he's talking about how his dad was this big gangbanger and how he, you know, told him not to do it and everything like that. And I was like, what, what made you not want to take your dad's advice? And he looked at me like, what? <laughs> like as if I would ever take my fucking dad's advice uh -huh. on anything. And you just realize in that moment, like, oh yeah, right. Kids don't give a fuck what you guys say. Really quickly, the term gangbanger, I guess technically I'm a gangbanger because I've been in a gangbang. No, I'm really using it in a completely different sense there. Why did they come up with that term though? What, what are they banging? I think the most important thing is that they had it before the deviant sexual types like yourself. Yeah, but that's how things work between white and black people is white people always come along and steal the best ideas. I gotta turn this heat down. What the fuck is going on? Rock oh, and it's roll. 65 right now. This needs to change. Okay. This this right here is what I'm talking about, Adam. This is your white privilege. There was an article in the LA Times today about how heating costs have tripled. Tripled with SoCal gas. And this is one of the consequences of Wait, green... what, what is the difference about SoCal Gas? SoCal Gas is the gas company here in Southern California in Los Angeles. But is it that their gas is more expensive or is it that we are just using more gas? They didn't say specific. We're definitely not using more gas. They didn't say specifically what is causing this rise in prices. I'm sure the Ukrainian-Russian conflict is part of that too. But a lot of it is just the politicians in this country putting immense amount of pressure on companies to end their reliance on natural gases and turn to clean, green energy alternatives. And this is something that a lot of critics of the environmentalist movement have been saying, is that when you do that, it's going to make energy costs skyrocket. And the problem is, as detailed in the LA Times today, there are elderly families and poor families in various places in Los Angeles who can't afford heating bills now. One couple talked to in the Times they're, they have all kinds of health problems that require their thermostat be at a certain level, but the bill came back at $1,500 just for their heating. Wow. So that's the problem with all these highbrow environmental policies is it's fine if you're a college-educated person right. and you're working at Google, but when you are a retired lumberjack and you and your wife live in Pasadena and you're just trying to scrape by on your social security, it becomes an issue. Typical retired lumberjack just settling down in Pasadena.
It happens a lot, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's sort of a, uh, there's a community of retired lumberjacks out there. <laughs> Interesting. It's, it's a problem. They can't give up the lifestyle. A lot of the public parks have, uh, like, the, the police will show up in the morning and there'll be just trees cut down. Sounds like a Danny Mullen video if I heard one. Retired lumberjacks in Pasadena. Tap in with the, the, retire, the retarded lumberjacks, yeah. Retired, retarded lumberjacks. Um, Definitely. You know what I did yesterday? What did you do? You seem eager to tell me. Did you masturbate? Did you do something disgusting? No, I didn't get a chance to jerk off. That's a good idea. Maybe I'd be a little bit more chilled out right now if I had done that. No, I went snowboarding for the first time ever. Hell yeah. You've done it? Oh, I used to snowboard as a child. Really? Okay. Yeah. Never done it before. Took my girl for Valentine's Day and we went to the fucking hill. Objectively, we were both very terrible at it. But uh-huh. by the end of the two hours, I really was starting to like feel some control and like really starting to feel like, oh, I could do this. Uh-huh. So now I'm kind of geeked and I feel like I'm going to have to actually keep fucking doing this. Make a career out of it. I don't know about a career, but maybe just, you know, some recreation here and there. Did you bend her over on a black diamond? We were really like, no. What, what is a black diamond? A black diamond is the most difficult ski slope oh. at the resort. And I'm wondering if you threw your jacket down and just made love to her in a snowdrift. No. Well, see, the microplasma would have got in the way of that. So you guys can't fuck each other right now? No. Well, I mean, I'm sure we could, but we've chosen not to until we test clean. What about a hand job on the ski lift? See, it that's is what Valentine's I, I was Day. proposing that last night. I was like, a little hand job once we get home. She was like, oh my God, like I'm so horny right now. I'd love to jerk you off. And then we get back to the house and... We both like answer emails all night and uh-huh. forgot forgot to hook up and put your dog in the kennel and it goes. The dog has graduated past the the tiny cage. Just for the record, he those sleeps are, in the bedroom with us now. Those labradoodles, they're a menace. Yeah, they're a complete menace. I want to hear more about your snowboarding though. You were going heel side, toe side. I did a little bit of both. You dig into like facing up the mountain, right? Yeah, like, it's toe side. So when you're going down, like facing. The bottom of the hill, you gotta be heel digging side. your heels in, yeah. and then I started, you know, so I started to get that, like, you know, I, I think I went like down maybe like seven times on this like little hill over the course of the two hours. Lena, I think maybe made it down once. She, I really kind of like, the fuck was she doing the whole time? Falling and you know working with the instructor and and kind of just, she had more of a hard time with it than I might have thought. Check in, check the Adam Twenty Two TikTok right now if you'd like to see a clip of uh, what she looked like going down the hill but she had a little bit of a hard time with it but i I saw her improving myself though by that last run because he's telling me like his instructions were like lean into the front foot bend your knee like use that front foot think of that as what's guiding you wherever you're going to be going and you could still like lean your heel down if you want to slow down or whatever and my final time right before we left i really felt like i was getting that technique and actually starting to like understand how i was going to be able to like go down the hill with speed yeah and so, but now it's fucking annoying because now if I want to do it again, I got to drive another hour and a half, take the whole fucking day off. Yeah. Yeah. Probably go with her, I guess, because I don't know who the fuck else is going to go with me, but. And it sounds like the, the, the gap between your skill levels is only going to widen. She's got to catch up. You got to send her up the mountain. Yeah, just send her by herself. Just go, go work at it. I've heard that women have an easier time wakeboarding than men because they're less egotistical and they're less worried about doing well. And counterintuitively, that makes it easier for them to stand up on a wakeboard because they're not like, fuck, I'm going to... What's a wakeboard exactly? You know what a wakeboard is? Not really. It's a... It's... Are you being dragged behind a boat? You're getting... You could say you're getting dragged behind a boat. It's a controlled drag, though. It isn't a form of torture. Uh And then you stand up on it, and it's like a snowboard or a skateboard, but it's for water. See, I went surfing a couple of years ago with Josh and uh, in Hawaii while we were on vacation and loved it, but found it very, very frustrating because, you know, you have to 
paddle out there. You have to wait until a wave's coming. Uh-huh. Then you have to start paddling with the wave. Then you have to get up onto your knees. Then you have to try to stand up on the board. All that just to potentially surf for like yeah. 20 feet. Uh-huh. Sucks. It's like a terrible experience. Like if you're good at it, I'm sure it's fucking awesome. But with snowboarding, I got this whole hill in front of me, and I could just kind of like repeatedly fall while trying to get a hang of it going down the hill. Yeah. And also, when you're snowboarding, there's the problem is as a tourist, when you paddle out for a wave in Hawaii, you've got native Hawaiians to deal with, Mm. and they really don't like your kind. But when it's just a bunch of privileged white people on the mountain. It's a safe space. I wouldn't really describe it as a bunch of privileged white people. I saw a lot of different types of people. What kind of people did you see up there? Because, okay, <laughs> I'm going to tell you something really funny. All right, tell me. <laughs> Vel is into snowboarding. You know Vel? Love Vel? No. Big black dude who hangs out here. He's a good friend of mine since he was like 16. Uh, I knew him in Long Beach. Right when we moved to Long Beach, he was a BMX kid. And that's how we met him, right? I do know that guy. He shook me down for my lunch money one day. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. And he's somehow he got really into snowboarding over the past couple of years, which was kind of a surprise to me. And then he tells me like, oh, I got a job being an instructor at the snowboard hill. I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. Then he tells me a couple of weeks later, like, yo, I got fired from the snowboarding spot because I knocked a dude out in the parking lot. Fist fight? Yeah. So why did he fight the guy? I don't know. I think he was talking shit. Hopefully, I'm not blown out of spot up. I've, he's probably hyped on this. Clip. Your toe side method grab is fucking whack, homie. What'd you say know. to me? I don't know. Does Vel go in the air? I have. If I see him doing a mute grab, I'm gonna lose my fucking mind. If I don't he's know an if instructor, if he's an instructor, I will say though, That's there's got to be yeah. affirmative action for black snowboarding instructors is probably a powerful force because that is an almost unheard of phenomenon. Is that unfair for me to say? I would assume the same thing. I would assume that there are very few black snowboard instructors, but they got to be out there because th- that's what I'm saying is that when I was there, I saw a lot of black dudes like snowboarding, which that's I dope. would not have necessarily expected. That wasn't the case when I last snowboarded, which was over a decade ago. But where? Northern California. Okay. Which but there there are black people up there too. This is the thing though. I saw tons of Asian people. All of them, mm-hmm. when they get to the bottom of the hill, boom, pull out the vape. Wow. That's a different type of Asian person, though. I feel like a vapor. I feel like a vapor Asian is more on the ghetto tip. They looked pretty high, high class. Tesla model wise in the parking lot. I I wasn't like following them to their car, (laughs) but just in general, they seemed like some uppity Asians who were just vaped up on the hill, just fucking having a blast. Mm, Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know Asians were into vaping. That's. uh, I think they are. I think that's pretty safe to say. Michael is nodding. We got to get into the. We have to get to the bottom of what that fight in the parking lot was about. That is the pinnacle of unprofessionalism. When you're at the resort, <laughs> you teach snowboarding lessons at, and you knock somebody out. And I'm imagining that he teaches kids too. Like uh, we're going up the bunny hill. We're gonna work on our S turns. Maybe you're just gonna plow down the hill over there, Charlie. I you're not ready for the. S-turns. I don't think that the instructors are probably like teaching people to like get air very often. I feel like that. that like you have to get pretty far into your snowboarding journey before you even think about grinding a rail or, or getting some air right i had an instructor that taught me how to do method grabs over the tabletops really? yeah when i was a little kid Can because i just, I I just that... want to do like a bunny hop method air just like methods are tough flat dude. in the parking lot methods are tough because when you do a method you're bringing the board up and perpendicular to the snow which when you're doing that that throws you off axis and it mm. makes the landing way sketchier an indie grab or a mute grab but that's pretty par for the course i just feel like doing a method grab is like grabbing your own ass it's gay to do a method grab. Uh, okay, so... Can we I, put that out there? Can we just establish if it's gay to do a method grab okay. right now? Okay, 
do you see do you see skateboarders doing method airs? Pretty like commonly on a vert ramp. Bob yeah. Burnquist back in the day. Has it been left for dead? Nobody's like, oh, who's going to method grab El Toro? And he is. It's a sus trick. It looks gay. It does look pretty gay. <laughs> You're it, like grabbing your ankles. There's something gay about that. It, too. it looks like. <laughs> It the pose of a method grab because not only are you grabbing your own ass, you're also you have a hand in the air rodeo style. Almost certainly doing the Hill Hitler thing while you're doing it. That too. So there's also <laughs> anti-Semitism. But doesn't it look like a guy who just came out of the closet on like a new Netflix show and is jumping for joy? If I was gonna come out of the closet, I would do it with a method air. I'm gay. <laughs> Can't you imagine f- opening up Netflix tomorrow and just that's the opening scene is like some guy that you, an actor you haven't paid that much attention to in like 20 years, but he's coming out as gay and he's doing it with some sort of, not on a snowboard, but a method air style grab. It's perfect. I know a dude from back in the day where we were friends. I went over to his house. I saw a photo of him when he was 12 wearing rollerblades in the driveway to his own home and his mom had taken a picture of him doing a hop method grab <laughs> on rollerblades in his own fucking driveway i've probably never laughed so hard in my life and the look on his face was just uh, it was like he knew exactly how embarrassing this was and i could tell he was almost upset with himself <laughs> and his mother for not getting rid of it because just and he's like a fat dude too well, it's it's funny because it's it requires zero talent, and it just like to do a it's hot so method, showy, yeah. And it's it just it's such a testament to how parents will be proud of their children for the most minor of accomplishments. But I asked the confess right now. Well, where was this photo displayed? Was it on the refrigerator? That was probably more on like a mantle type thing. It's even worse, probably, because mm. if it's on the mantle, that means it's permanent. That means it's framed. But I oh, it had clearly been on the shelf or mantle for like. 20 years since he was a child yeah i there's photos my mom took of me on a my skateboard wasn't even a board i picked up from zoomies or wave warriors one of the local shops i had gotten it at target the brand was rage skateboards Mm. just a a complete we're cashing in on the tony hawks pro skater phenomenon we're going to get these boards manufactured with plastic trucks in china and we're just going to sell a ton of them to kids who don't think to go to a local skate shop i had one of those and i had my mom taking staged photos of me doing crooked grinds on a PVC pipe that was Stage. just laid on the ground. There's pictures of me and I'm wearing like a billabong shirt and basketball shorts with a tweaked out crooked grind and my hands in the air. But I, the thing was, I just put my board in that position and then stepped onto it real quick and with, then fallen as off. As a layman, it might not be that easy to recognize this, but as a, once you become a person who actually can skateboard, oh my God. And there's been multiple like different controversies in bmx riding over the years one that stands out is that there was there's a huge ledge called the staple center ledge i don't know if you know i know it's like 20 stairs super yeah. fucking steep giant but it has a flat part at the top so it's like this this dude who i won't even name because i don't want to spark off any beef after all these years but there's a dude bmx who, beef he rode along the top and then pulled up and did a manual down the down part uh-huh so that's that's not how this would typically be done in bmx that's still gnarly though it is kind of gnarly, but it's not gnarly compared to riding next to it, bunny hopping like really fucking high yeah. and then landing on your back wheel from the the top of the stairs. You know, it's like just a completely different thing. And he got a photo in a magazine and that has just been like the most controversial thing for like forever, ever yeah. since then, because it 
You could tell, though, from the photo, because he was super high up on the ledge. You could tell that he just rolled in. Sure. They really weren't doing him any favors. Yeah, the roll-in, and in my mind, that's still gnarly. The Staple Center ledge, it's really hard to, to tell people over the air how big this thing is. But if you're rolling down it from the top, you're going, at the start, maybe about a half a mile per hour. Oh, yeah. Whereas if you bunny-hopped onto it, Right away, you're going 15. Yeah, you're going fast as fuck, yeah. And I don't even know if a, a BMX bike could handle that impact after hopping up and bunny hopping on I think it. people have manualed it since. I mean, people have ice pick grinded it and stuff, which is basically a manual on your peg. But people have done, like, insane shit on it. I've, I've been kicked out of there multiple times in my life. It was it kind of popped off as a skate spot. Jaws kickflip melon grabbed it. And then this dude, Clive Dixon, I think, did something gnarly on it. But what I'm curious melon about... Melon is in the front? Melon is... It's a method without the tweak. It's the straight version of a method. Oh, grab. but between your legs? That's a roast beef, and that's real gay. <laughs> Look at that. I mean, your elbow is brushing against your cock, Adam. How is no, that? Yeah, this feels Because you don't know. There's a, there's a guy <laughs> named Brian Pumper. Do you know who Brian Pumper is? Uh, Brian Pumper likes the mute grab, huh? Or likes the uh, roast but, beef. You know who he is? Have you seen my video on him? He sounds like a porn star. It would be a great use of your time to watch okay. this video. But he had a dance at one point called King Dingaling, and it basically was him just going like this and like sort of doing an elephant uh-huh. thing. Good callback. Yeah, elephant, yeah, yeah. Just sort of like this. And that's when I did the roast beef there. That's kind of what I felt like I was doing. Yeah, that looks like it. It's the same move. Yeah, roast beef, beef grabs are super gross mm. they are i mean they're the equivalent to making jokes about airplane food and stand-up comedy like mm. you just they are off limits you can't do them it's funny you mentioned that because i just last night uh me and lena had like you know an hour to kill or whatever i'm playing poker once i got done my emails and i put on seinfeld because it's just on netflix i was trying to find something that we could watch that like would not interfere with the fact that she was doing emails and i'm playing poker and we're both kind of distracted but i figured it'd be good background noise it feels so fast-paced and intense after all these years without the commercials. Because hmm. each episode's like 20 minutes. I watched three episodes in 60 minutes. It was just like, I don't know, I kind of almost forgot like the pace of Seinfeld and how there's just all these things happening that make mm-hmm. like almost no sense mm-hmm. in the show, and that's the basis of, of the entire thing. But, yeah, like I was, I was just thinking about that like the fuck like because i'm having to explain a lot of weird parts of it to her like she's like why is he doing stand-up in the beginning and then not throughout the rest of the show yeah i'm like that's kind of odd isn't it but that's that's like the whole thing is that usually the stand-up from the beginning is what the episode is essentially inspired by because that's the premise of seinfeld is the point of the show contrary to what a lot of people think there's this this belief that the show is about nothing, but Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld have said a lot of times, it's not about nothing. It's about how a stand-up comedian gets their material. Mm. That was the original idea for it. And I remember, I wanted to be a television writer about five or six years ago. That was the thing I wanted to do. And the way I thought to get good at doing that would be to study Seinfeld and write a spec script that was all the advice to get to about how to break into the industry is mm. you take a show that's well known, you write your own fake episode for it and then submit it to agents. That's a great way to show that you can write in the voice of a program and therefore you'd be valuable on a writing staff. That's well, just fascinating to me because I'm picturing myself being a, you know, a guy who puts together TV shows and I'm trying to picture like reading a script. I feel like it would take me like a half hour, like 15, 20 minutes. Like that's a lot. Like even just listening to one song from an artist, yeah, it takes like two minutes. And that just feels like a massive amount of time and energy to put into that. Reading a whole script seems like a lot, but. Imagine somebody sending you a transcript if you were a literary agent. Oh, I know. And it was a book. Yeah. Books I, are tough. I interviewed an author recently and 
you know, it was pretty obvious from Ryan Holiday. No, it was uh, this guy uh, Joe Coscarelli from the New York Times who wrote this big book about like Atlanta hip hop and Little Baby and the Migos and shit like that. And it was pretty obvious from our interview that I had read the whole book and that I forced myself to read it over the course of like a Saturday and Sunday, right? Which is I don't, no, I don't normally read books to fucking do interviews, but I really made a point of it because I respect authors and I, I wanted to get through it before I fucking interviewed him. And he just said to me afterwards, he's like, you know, you wouldn't believe how many people do interviews with authors that never read the book. Most people. Because it's just so time consuming that it's like if I had to interview three authors per week, I mean, that would be probably like almost all of my, mm-hmm. you know, TV time or like laid back consumption time would mm-hmm. then have to be about reading. Whereas mm-hmm. I can interview a rapper and watch like 20 minutes of YouTube videos, maybe watch an interview. The whole thing going to take me like less than an hour. It's going to take me like 10 hours at least to read a book, right? I originally wanted to be an author. That's how I started my comedy careers. I was writing short nonfiction about various events in my life. The problem with being an author, though, it's a great job once you're the guy. Like once you are Ryan Holiday and you can do your job from the Bahamas in mm. your underwear, remote anywhere, and you know it's going to hit the New York Times bestseller list. It's great. But the problem is, imagine how hard it would be to find an audience because it's not like YouTube where like, hey, this guy's real funny. Check this out. I'm going to send you the clip. You sample it within one minute. You know if you like it or not. Mm. A book, it's almost impossible to acquire new readers. And I think podcasts are sort of becoming that way too. Getting somebody to listen to a podcast is a big ask. Right. And there are so many people that are starting podcasts and they think that that podcast alone is going to carry them to some level of notoriety. And now like a lot of po- uh, stand-up comedians are like that. Like how many stand-up comedians do you know of that are like, "Yep, I just do my stand-up and I got my little podcast I record in my garage. That's how I'm going to blow up." That the podcast is going to be the thing to carry me into the mainstream. You need something smaller and more consumable. Because knowing what we know about short form content and stuff like TikTok and shorts and reels, it's like that's just so clearly the way that if you have a podcast, that's how you're going to get people to see it. Like, Mm -hmm. I I know people, I know tons of people who have podcasts that realistically don't do very good on YouTube or or whatever, but then they get TikToks, they get millions of views, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, on one hand, the fact that they get TikToks to get millions of views and that their views still suck on their YouTube channel is kind of like proof that maybe this isn't the best thing because it's it's clearly not really like translating to people mm-hmm. watching the full thing. But what else do you fucking have? Like this yeah. is really like the only way that you can get people to consume your stuff. And what is the equivalent version of that with writing? Well, actually, it's Twitter, to be totally fair. Mm-hmm. You know, like every author is also kind of like at the same time running a Twitter career where they're basically incentivized to take these extremely uh, you know, polarizing takes to get mm-hmm. people to pay attention to them, to maybe follow them. Because I, I've heard tons of times that when you're an author and you're going and trying to get an advance that like the difference between you having 500 followers and like 50,000 followers might be the difference between you getting a book deal and not like they're just to them this tiny amount of clout that you have on Twitter that may or may not transfer into any sort of like financial gain is the biggest thing mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Twitter now has the for you page. It says the for you page, which is kind of crazy because that's always been what it said on TikTok. Have you, do you know about the or have you do you use the the for you or the following tab when you log into Twitter now? <clears throat> because I don't think it, I use any. It, I think I just scroll my feed. Yeah, but your feed now you have two feeds. I didn't have this until fairly recently, but you have for you, which if you look at it, it's basically like Twitter in the... Oh, there's Rochelle. There's, is that, is that uh, Ra-Ra? That is Ra-Ra with a penis in her. Yeah, I can see that from here. 
But uh, good for you, Rara. But you know, like these are all like really viral tweets throughout the the last day for the most part, right? But then the following tab, all of a sudden, it's just going to be like literally everybody that I follow and every single thing that they tweet. So I'm kind of torn on a daily basis between do I want to see every little thing like the 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 for you tab is never going to show me Taylor Lorenz tweeting out a link to an article saying most long COVID patients have organ damage a year later. That would never make it to the viral for you section, mm-hmm. I'm guessing, because it has seven likes. But then, meanwhile, the following tab is – and it's not loading right now, which is interesting. But. So what's your opinion of Twitter now a couple months after Elon's taken over? Because you were real negative at the beginning. I think the Twitter blue verification thing is an unmitigated failure. Okay. Absolute disaster. Okay. I think that – I mean, he's been. He claimed that one of his biggest aims was to, uh, you know, eliminate child abuse on the platform. Yeah. Just, just read a long New York Times article the other day about how that is absolutely not the case, and it's actually insane. They have like, they have like computer programs that allow them to search for CP, but they, but they can't see it. So like, it's automatically blurred, but it's using like a bank of pre-existing CP to determine how much of it is on Twitter. But they don't ever have to see it, which is really mm-hmm. important. Because if you even see it, you know, if you see it by accident, you're supposed to report it to the FBI. There's like an FBI website that you're supposed to go to and say, hey, I was looking at this forum. I accidentally saw this image. And that could potentially save your ass yeah. if they were to ever like find it in your search history or something. I mean, if you're a New York Times CP sweeper and they're blurring <laughs> the images, they took away the one perk of the job. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to recruit. <laughs> That's that's fucked. I feel like he sensed where I was going with that. I didn't. That's why I was so surprised. (laughs) But dude, I I don't know what that is. But I mean, do you really expect the New York Times to give Elon a fair shake about anything he's doing on Twitter? But I just read that article and I I feel like whatever. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it at least some weight. But he has also he's led a ton of you know far right white identitarian type people back onto the platform. That to me is a little. A little odd. Like, I mean, there's definitely some people that I'm I'm happier back on the platform, but there's mm-hmm. definitely other people too where I'm like, why the fuck would you allow them back? Who's somebody he allowed back on that's too far? Somebody who has too radical of views. I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that. Sound like a hypocrite now because I can't remember. No worries. Well, I don't want to throw Nick Fuentes in that bucket, even though he did get deleted in one day. Uh huh. He's been on your program too, so yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like. I mean, I guess I would rather have the occasional radical Antifa member and white nationalist on either side of the spectrum speaking on Twitter versus eliminate them and accidentally a couple legitimate voices. I'm pretty okay with Elon banning all these Antifa people. I think that's something we should all be able to get get an agreement on. Is like if you if your idea of a fun night is putting on like a black mask and going and like lighting a police station on fire, I generally think that like you you probably shouldn't be on this platform. I'm reading a book on Antifa right now. But writing one as well. I am. Do I <laughs> do I give off the vibes of just an angry like oh fuck the left? Yeah, like you you with Antifa is like Yuri with the trans community. Like, Yuri hates the trans community? I wouldn't say he hates them, but I would say that it's almost become like his primary interest, like tracking them. Well, he's Russian, and Russian people are, are very orthodox, mm. so it makes sense that he doesn't like the whole gender role play thing. Yeah, he's um, on board with Putin. Yeah, they, but you're you're right, dude. Antifa is so fucking gnarly. and Fuck that's, them. I hate them. It, dude, they're, they're so fucked up. And that's it's pretty crazy that you go on, if you go on Wikipedia, any right-wing group, 
even if they're like not proven to be violent or they haven't been involved in property destruction or assaults, they're always labeled right wing fringe group with white nationalist views. Like they're right. always smeared with that right at the top. But then Antifa is um, is a, a left wing group that protests against fascist activity right. is always how they're delicately handled when most of them are just pure anarchists who th- would think nothing of maiming and injuring not only police officers, but anybody they believe to be complicit in the capitalist state, business owners, politicians, whoever, people who are just at the protest. They're perfectly okay with harming those people. I think when it's all said and done, that we should probably look back on the uh, the 2020 era where all the stores had all their windows boarded up, but then they would basically have to write like "black owned business." <laughs> Don't fuck my business up. Uh-huh. I'm not part of the problem. Can we like at some point look back on that and say that was a weird sign of the times? Yes. Like we should not have been okay with that. Like it's really not okay to burn somebody's business down regardless of what race they are. Can we all maybe just take a step back and agree on that? There, one of my favorite moments that I captured on camera in 2020, because 2020, my videos weren't really political in nature, but I couldn't help but occasionally stumble across something going on that was very profound with regard to George Floyd or or, uh, or COVID. One of those instances, I was in Dallas in May 2020, right after a massive riot had swept through downtown Dallas. There was a white high up manager at a corporate diamond company. So the exact type of guy that would be very careful about what he says, and he doesn't want to offend any of the George Floyd rioters. But I interview him as he's busy putting up boards over his jewelry store windows. And not only is he putting up boards, but the boards say Black Lives Matter. And he has local artists doing portraits of George Floyd on these pieces of plywood. And I, I go up to him and I start talking to him like, uh, so what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, well, we're just uh, out here showing support for the community. And uh, and I'm like, so your store got robbed. And he's like, well, I wouldn't use the word robbed. I would say there's a lot of frustration. And uh, I was like, uh, there's but they they came in here and they looted you guys. How much did the damage? What was the damage like? And he's like, well, today isn't about damage. It's about <laughs> celebration. And it was this perfect encapsulation of just white liberal fear and we might never see that again because i feel like that stupidity that like extreme moment of just pure idiocy was only something that i think that you would have maybe seen right then and right there and i don't think i i don't think it's coming back i remember during that because like the riot dude the riots popped off maybe like four, five, six months after we moved off Melrose, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm familiar with all kinds of store owners from there. The the chick who owns Dolls Kill, the uh, Sean from Round 2, they are all being destroyed on social media, being treated like they were absolute fucking white supremacists just because they, at various times, and you'd have to go back in time to like read the actual statements they made, but they made statements that were basically like, hey – it's bad to destroy buildings mm-hmm. or, you know, like, like not like some like, oh, I support the police shit, which would mm-hmm. have been totally like impossible to imagine anyone saying at that time. But just saying anything about how we needed law and order to prevail and, and normalcy to, to mm-hmm. come around and they were being treated like they were like, you know, fucking Klansmen. Mm-hmm. And it made me very happy that I didn't have that store in that time period mm-hmm. because my plan, if I had had a store, would have been, oh, 
we're going to war. Like, we are going to be posted up in this bitch every day, hella guns. Mm -hmm. I'm hiring a bunch of motherfuckers, and anybody who tries to do anything to mm -hmm. my spot, you're going to die. Mm -hmm. Like, that. that's where my mind was at as a person who didn't have a story at that time. I would hope that in that moment, I would have had the confidence and the courage to actually kill people who tried to do anything to the store that was all the armenian jewelry store shops on melrose like all those guys mm. were out there with assault rifles like bro i don't care who comes up to my fucking store i blow them away bro yeah all those guys yeah and, and the thing is too the people who were going down fairfax or melrose with crowbars breaking in and getting armfuls of shit mm -hmm. you think they give a shit about police brutality or the rights, civil rights for African Americans. They were all opportunists, the people who were doing that. I can say that I know a lot of people who are out protesting slash looting that like even like in the past couple months, like different people I know have just kind of casually mentioned, like, yeah, I was I was out looting the CBS during the the riots or whatever. And I'm just like, you did. And I and then I kinda like remember like, oh yeah, like everybody was just going crazy during that fucking time period. But yeah, they're they're not political at all. They're just people who wanted to come up. Yeah. I actually know somebody who got in a shootout during the 2020 riots. With who? Business owner or cops? No, another fucking rapper. I just, just heard about it the other day. I was mm. like, wow, that's an incredible story that I absolutely am not going to repeat on camera. Well, I am right now, but without the names. Well, I mean, it's a great time to get in a shootout. Mm. Like, when would there be less attention on you having an open duel in the streets than during the George Floyd oh, riots? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you wanted to kill somebody... Perfect timing, dude. I mean, yeah. Like, what the fuck? That would have been the ultimate moment to oh. just get it in. Oh, dude. The, the police response times are like an hour and 45 minutes, even for a homicide. You're good, dude. Dude, there's a lot of porn stars that I have in my head that I can think of who, during the 2020 season, were on Twitter <laughs> saying the wokest shit you could ever imagine. And I have not heard a word of anything at all even close to that kind of shit coming out of their twitter accounts or social media since yeah like a lot of people in that moment were so scared of having their fucking livelihood taken away from them uh -huh. that they were just saying anything on twitter yeah. and in ret and sometimes i see them and i just want to say like hey remember when you said this on twitter or whatever yeah. like do you still agree with that and yeah. they're like I, I won't bring it up because it feels like it was like a it was like we're at war almost for a moment there and you kind of can't hold people responsible for the shit that they were saying during a war right yeah yeah, yeah it was really nuts you had a split second to decide which side of the issue you were going to be on and if you were on team george floyd blm wear your mask you had to be on the team dude like you had to post the black square you i didn't do that I one thing I can say. I, I yeah, I didn't do I didn't do it either. I was pretty like just on my heels observing at the time. I, I smelled the opportunism. I smelled like the inauthenticity of it. Something seemed off about it to me at the time. But I didn't have the courage to say that on camera. Yeah, at the time, definitely not. <laughs> you know, like me not either. even close. I can I can admit that right now. It's like I didn't I was having all these thoughts. But the idea of like actually being the guy who was willing to come out and yeah. say like, hey, this is fucking retarded just really didn't seem appealing to me at that time. Yeah. Well, and also all the facts hadn't come to light. So I wouldn't have been like confident enough to say any of those things on camera, too. I but, mean, like, but also like George Floyd getting killed by police officers. Yes. Very bad. Like everybody mm -hmm. seemed to agree on that because you had that weird moment Remember when Trump was even tweeting about it, saying that like what. He saw in that video happened to George Floyd was so wrong, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, that just turned into 
these massive waves of violence and looting that I don't think anybody, well, at least any sane person really agreed with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you were right that it was just a once-in-a-lifetime powder keg because of the COVID situation mm -hmm. that just made everybody go insane. Also, my girl bought me a Weezer shirt. I just want to throw that out there before I forget. Well, look at that. There are superheroes in a room. A it vintage Weezer shirt. What era? I don't know, but it has tour dates on the back. It might have the year. That is the Hoopty Tour. 01, San Diego. It started off in. 01. Yeah, 01. Ooh, so nice that 22 year old shirt. Is that, that cool going to put us at, uh, at, at uh, Maldroit or the Green Album? What's that album? The Green have? Album, I think, came out about like, what, 2001? Yeah, that's got it. I've listened to that many times. <laughs> what makes you think I won't blow you away right now, dude? Whoa. You want to say that again with the rabbit hood on? Yeah, Tone Tone let me into the into the office today with a fully automatic firearm. Did he pick it up and like feel it? Tone? Why do you have a bunny suit? Did we get into that? Well, do you want the real answer or the fake answer? I'm gonna keep this pointed at Mike. Maybe just for time's sake, the real answer. Actually, I'm gonna put this away right now. Um you know, it's basically after Valentine's Day, it feels like Easter season to me, so I'm just getting that underway. Mm. You know, St. Patrick's Day. It's not even March yet. We're like midway through February. It's still, dude. I mean, you, like just like a sixth grader who gets excited about Christmas the moment Halloween passes. That's me with Easter, dude. You like Easter that much? I like Easter. I don't like St. Patrick's Day. I think it perpetuates harmful stereotypes about Irishmen. I just don't like drinking. You don't like drinking? No. My stomach hurts right now. Did you drink last night? No, but I ate a bunch of pasta. Dude, what are you doing, man? I thought you were on a strict diet. Yeah, but it's the I, worst thing you can I eat. I went to a cool little pasta restaurant, and I mean, there was literally nothing else that I could have ordered there. So, what happened to your cool little self discipline? Yeah, but I'm trying not to take my self discipline to such an extent that I'm not going to go out to eat with my girl. Yeah, but you can go out and eat with your girl at uh, Mendocino Farms or a steakhouse where you can order something you know, carnival. Especially on Valentine's Day, it's kind of like I'm just sort of rolling with whatever she wants to do at a certain point. Because we were we were at a shopping plaza where we could have, there was a bunch of different options. There's a burger spot that I fucking love that has amazing burgers. I would have What's it called? Hi-Ho. Oh, it's the best. I got oh, it for the Super Bowl. So good. Wagyu beef burgers. Unreal. I got one for the Super Bowl, baby. I got two of them, actually. She got me a triple the other day. Uh-huh. I think I'm going to stick with the double. I'm not going to lie. It's a little too much meat there. Okay. Do you get the pastrami it. on it? I just get the regular double. Do you get the spicy onion jam? I think the spicy onion jam's on that. They sheet. have multiple good options there. It's on Wilshire Boulevard, dude. I, I got it. The oh, there's Super another Bowl. one. Oh. That's the one I go to. It's my Super Bowl tradition. There's I got a one fire in the valley that me and her hit. Oh, the valley. That one's inferior. You think? The, the one new. thing, they it, this place is pretty woke, though. They took issue with me being in there without my Vax card once. Seriously? In 2021. Yeah, they got all over me about not having a Vax card and being in Hi-Ho Burger. At Hi-Ho. But the product is so fucking good, dude. I can't do anything about it. I, you know, I remember that era of having to show the Vax card, but I don't remember ever having to show it anywhere that seemed like more of like a normal, like a burger joint. Yeah. You know, like so, so there were some events where I remember I had to have it, but it, well, Riley Reed's wedding, I had to have it. Was that her policy? They were giving us COVID tests and like we were having to sit there and like wait for your fucking results to uh -huh. come back. Uh -huh. Yeah, you got to get a gonorrhea test, knock out the COVID-19 test. I, I know this journalist, uh, Elliot Wilson, who's like, he's been around forever and he he's super tapped in with some of the biggest names in rap. And he, he was saying that um, he just like randomly gets a call from Jay-Z and he just says, take a COVID test and come see me. That's badass. You want like a journalist to come 
record you speaking, uh-huh. and you're just like, take a COVID test. It's like, make, make let them know. Uh-huh. I'm not taking any chances with your filthy ass. <laughs> you come, come hang out with the Jigga man, uh-huh. you're getting tested. What year was that? Like a couple weeks ago. Oh, that's kind of disappointing. I know. I was surprised. Like, Jay-Z is still sweating it like that. Maybe you could just, like, not stand near me. What's up with that? Howard Stern, I guess, is is just locked away still in his still? ivory tower in New York City doing all of his shows remotely. Wow. A lot has been said about him going off the deep end. Becoming a, a real queef master. Yeah, dude. I wonder... It happens to a lot of people. I, I wonder what that force is that made people like Jimmy Kimmel, like Howard Stern, a lot of other people I'm sure you can think of. I think it was that 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 woke moment in 2020, and I don't know how to what extent Howard Stern had been building up to that all those years before it, but I feel like he's someone who bit off a lot of uh, attitudes and political opinions in 2020 and then didn't really feel comfortable coming back from it. Mm-hmm. Also, he's old as fuck and his immune system's probably dog shit, so he probably really feels like he's going to die if he gets COVID, which mm-hmm. he, he might. My dad got through COVID, no problem. And my dad's older than Howard Stern and probably not as healthy as Howard Stern. Right. I mean, I know a lot of old fat dudes, though, who died from it. You do? Well, in hip-hop, yeah. Mm. Not like my best friends or anything. How old were they? 40s? Maybe even some in their 30s. But, like, real fat, bad health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Took out a bunch of people. Like, big from Robin Big style big. Maybe not that big. But, yeah, in some cases, yeah, like roughly on that level by the way i gotta fucking send you this barry weiss podcast i'm listening to it just came out where they have like a really intense barry weiss is the chick barry weiss is the chick she's good she's very good i like her yeah she uh you think she'd be insulted with that description barry weiss is she's the dame right a few other things we could throw in there she's the piece of trim she's the gash Uh, i don't know if you would throw all that on (laughs) i saw her on bill maher she impressed me she was really good i I followed her on twitter right after she was on bill maher i like her but her new episode is about the ozempic drugs the, you know about all this. I, I've heard a yeah. little bit. She was talking about that. I think with Bill Maher after you brought it up to me. It's the appetite suppressant people are abusing to lose weight, right? Yes, that they're also trying to force on twelve-year-old kids who are who are overweight. Ah, yeah, and they're like trying to get the families to pay like two thousand dollars a month. That's how it's, it's like a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars a month, which is insane. I know tons of people who are on it. I know people who brag about their weight loss even though they're on it, which to me is a little yeah yeah. That's like me being like jacked as fuck and bragging about all the time but then i'm on steroids exactly ozempic is the weight loss steroid at at this exact moment in time but you know there's a lot of like really bad side effects that it fucks up your gut it can make you feel nauseous all the time there's like a bunch of stuff that you really wouldn't want to deal with and that's why the idea that every overweight 12 year old needs to get on this Mm -hmm. is fucking insane yeah yeah i mean think about it what drug is really consequence free adderall will make you get through that homework assignment, yes, but you will also have a sleepless night, and if you get too hooked on that Adderall, you're going to start looking like a walking skeleton. Right, and the closest you can even get is something like weed, where it has like a relatively minimal, uh, you know, refractory period that the, the hangover from weed is pretty minimal, but, you know, there's still, there's something to be said for it, for sure, and uh, yeah, I think that's the whole thing with the Ozempic thing, is that like every weight loss drug you've ever heard of in your entire life, the more powerful it is, the more negative the repercussions are, mm-hmm. right? And so this thing is causing people to lose like 18% of their body fat on average or something like that, 15% of the body fat per- percentage. It's huge. But, I mean, clearly there's got to be negative 
side effects that come with it. It almost reminds me of like the era in which everybody was just getting prescribed opiates like it was nothing. Mm -hmm. And then all these years later, it's like, oh, actually, those companies who are pushing opiates on on random people and like, you know, giving them 40, 40 pain pills as a prescription – they weren't doing anybody any favors, and actually, they should be sued into fucking oblivion. And I, I kind of feel like that's inevitable with the Ozempic shit, like that all the doctors who are pushing this. I just hope that the world doesn't forget that, like, three years from now, when it's really fully documented how bad this shit is for people, that we're able to actually say, like, well, all these woke people who went on Barry Weiss and told you that it was good for you are actually the devil. And is that what's happening? She's got woke people who are pushing it on her podcast? Yes. And she's pushing back against them. Because the argument, she is kind of, but she has like other experts on there who are basically arguing uh, the point that I think that she's making as well. But like they're, the, the thing that these fucking woke people say is basically obesity is a mental disorder. I know. It's not about calories in versus calories out. And the, the, this, this fucking woman that she brought on, she's, she has the nerve to say that if your parents are obese that you have like a 50 to 80 percent i think she said chance of becoming obese yourself and that that is with perfect diet and exercise i'm like what the fuck are you talking about mm -hmm. like and and the the response from this dude who's arguing with her is basically that your resting metabolic rate is is the whole thing and then when you talk about because she, she's citing examples of women that she knows who they work out seven days a week and they barely eat and they can't lose weight and they're still obese it's like yeah they have a problem with their fucking metabolism mm -hmm. it's not about the fact that they're fat it's like the, the fat is the the repercussion of the result of the of the actual problem you hear about these don't weigh me cards that people are allowed to flash now at their doctor's office are you serious yeah you can tell the nurse if you have this card not to weigh you and that you don't want to be lectured on your obesity and its consequences on your health. Oh, my God. Because those are minimal, right? But yeah. I'm kind of into that, though, because those are some of the number one people in society that I want dead. <laughs> like, I'm just going to be real. Like, if you're out here, like, sort of spreading the idea that, like... You sound like me in a certain rant right now. I'm just saying... Do you, like, do you want a samurai to visit them in the waiting room instead of the nurse? I love that rant. That was a great <laughs> one. No, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I honestly feel like if you're going out there... Like, there's a lot of viewpoints that are, like, really evil and problematic that people go out there and they, and they share with the world, but there's no real, like, direct repercussions, like, you know, for spreading your bad ideas to the world. But if you're going around and saying, actually being fat is great i mean like you're you're gonna die yeah and, you're you are promoting early death and in that way i can just kind of sit back as someone who disagrees with you and wait until you perish mm -hmm. and then there i don't even have to make an argument your death is mm -hmm. the argument who's behind this to me it seems like the people behind this are i just have like a foggy conglomerate in my mind but just drug companies and healthcare companies and body positive retards yeah I, them too but i, I feel like you got to follow the money when you're trying to get to the bottom of who's pushing this thing when a lot and, of the people that are like health experts that are going out and spreading positive narratives about the ozempic are paid for absolutely. by the companies like absolutely she, she made that perfectly clear some of these people have straight up like brand deals to endorse yeah. this shit yeah absolutely and uh, again you know people who have died from covid I got wiped out by COVID. I was out for, for two weeks straight, really messed up. I like the vaccine. I think it's good that people took the vaccine who are at high risk. But you can't, thank you so much, everybody. But you can't say that there weren't a lot of people whose pockets were getting fattened by Pfizer who were out there peddling the vaccine and saying things like it prevents transmission when in actuality it hardly did at all. I think that they thought that it was going to, though, to be fair. I, I think they... 
I listened to were being 8 billion podcasts about the vaccine before the vaccine came out, and I don't remember anybody ever even suggesting that it might not stop transmission, you know? And then it comes out, and it turns out that it doesn't, and it was just like, that, that was just too much for a lot of people to bear. That it didn't stop transmission? Yeah, because that's kind of like what we were promised. Now, myself... Even just my anecdotal experience, I got it and my girl got it side by side, basically, and I saw how bad it was for her not being vaccinated, and I saw what it was like for me being vaccinated, mm-hmm. and I was unbelievably thankful that I did do it. Now, that being said, I haven't gotten any booster shots, so. You fascist sinner. Mm. You are a piece of garbage. That is kind of fucked up, right? Yeah. I yeah. wanted to. Uh, yeah, what do you got? Fuck you. You want, you want to have sex with me? Oh, you're going to have to wait till your wedding night, motherfucker, because I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there in a squirely <laughs> 1500s. Red ruffled shirt. I couldn't remember what I was going to say, so I'm like, all right, I'm just going to say the gayest thing I could think Well, I'm going to be there, and we're going to get Terrell on it, too, dude. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're going to call him in. I hope he's still watching. Um, I was listening to, because, okay, my my podcast motivation, like when I want to come here or even when I'm doing the Tuesday show or whatever, beforehand, I like to, like, try to get myself into a podcasting mind state, so I listen to these comedy podcasts occasionally. I have a few that I'm subscribed to, and I listen to the Shane Gillis one with a... Matt, I believe it is. Yeah. And I was listening to it, and Shane Gillis was just talking about how he had this experience where he went to um he went to a business meeting, right, with some woman, and right beforehand, he didn't realize he thought it was gonna be like a food meeting, but it ended up being a coffee meeting. Mm. So right before he goes to the meeting, he drinks like a huge fucking cold brew. So he's already like jittery before he even goes. Then he meets up, he realizes, oh, we're not getting fucking burrito bowls we're getting more coffee so uh-huh. he drinks another coffee and just is like completely like fried like can't even fucking do anything for the rest of the day and just listening to him describe how intense that shit is made me feel like oh maybe i'm not really getting the caffeine experience that i need by drinking fucking keurig coffees from the machine over there you think you're over caffeinated i think i'm under caffeinated and i want to I, I think more might be good for my podcasting career you want to be jittery you want to be like physically high off the coffee there's two different polar extremes when you're doing a podcast on one hand you could be in a little bit of that you know sort of like sleepy mode which is where i kind of found myself ending up sometimes when i'm doing the podcast late at night where you're you're like a little slow you don't feel like you're the brightest version of yourself and then on the other hand you ever just like jacked up off caffeine having a conversation with someone where you feel like you can't shut up for fucking two seconds mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and as a podcast that's a pretty good feeling it is good you know yeah when you everything you have to say in your head you feel like is genius that kind of arrogance is actually good for podcasting and I love it, too. I'm sure you have episodes like this. It's maybe 25% of the episodes where you can see around corners and the sentences and the jokes you're going to make, they form in your head and you can see them before you even utter them. Mm. And there are other times where it feels like you woke up at 3 a.m. and you're feeling around for the light switch so you can take a piss. Mm. That's maybe 15% of the episodes. And those are the worst. Like when, when me you and you like are that. sitting here and we're both communicating in such a fashion that it's hard for you to be quiet and let the other person speak. Now, of course, you have to, but where it's like it's hard for me to sit there and be quiet while I'm listening to you because I have so much shit that I want to get hate out. This guy, he's saying stupid shit. Nothing about you. Fuck his ass. Any any podcast with anyone, if you just like have so much to say that it's like hard for you to shut up, that's probably a good sign. Howard Stern's dad said that you need to be a chatterbox if you want to make it in radio. Howard Stern's dad was a big radio exec. Yeah. 
Chatterbox is good. Yeah, you got to be a chatterbox. You have to have an ongoing monologue. And I feel like that's kind of my problem is when I think back to being young, my early 20s, mid 20s, whatever, when I was really just starting to get something going business wise or like I I basically hadn't accomplished anything with my fucking life yet. But anybody I would have a conversation with, I was perfectly happy to tell them everything about my hopes, my dreams, what I thought I was going to accomplish, this new business idea I heard about, et cetera, et cetera. And then you get older and you start to actually become somewhat accomplished. And I feel like at some point my my internal monologue just kind of slowed down in the sense that like when I'm at a family party and somebody asks me what I do for, for work, I'm just kind of like, I do YouTube. Mm-hmm. You want the conversation to end as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, because I just don't like, or even like when the Uber driver asks you what you do. Yeah. The last thing no. you want to do is get into a conversation about what you do. Because it feels braggy and it feels kind of like they're just going to ask me 5 million questions. I've already, I, I already have it in my head that I kind of want to like conserve my conversational ability mm-hmm. in the sense that like I want to let it out on camera and I want to let it out to my loved ones and my friends but besides that, I'm not really trying to fucking have like in-depth 45-minute conversations with people throughout the day if I don't feel like there's anything to like really gain from it. Like if I had an in-depth 45-minute conversation with my Uber driver on the way to LAX, it just kind of feels like a poor use of my labor. Sometimes, though, you gain perspective from having those conversations that can be really interesting. Like I, one time, I That's actually I was going to the comedy store to see a show. And my Uber driver was a handsome black man from Kenya. Hmm. And he told me... He should be a snowboard instructor. (laughs) I mean, probably if he was as good as you are right now, for diversity's sake, they would hire him as an instructor. (laughs) That's all I would take. But he told me, he's like, yeah, man, I get it. Uh, I'm going to butcher this accent. It might be offensive. He's like, yeah, man, I sometimes I'm in the car and I drive to this place, West Hollywood, and I pick people up. And the guys in the back, man, they say... I want to suck your dick. And I say, no, man, I am straight. I am Christian man. You can't suck my dick. And they try to suck my dick. And having had that conversation, that nugget didn't come out until about minute 12 of the ride. And I am so glad that I engaged this guy because now I know that gay men in L.A. will try to suck Kenyan Uber drivers' penises Mm. after they get out of the bars. And that makes me a richer person, having known that. You are almost making me regret the tone that I just took about being efficient with conversation because I do I agree that that kind of shit is really fucking important and I noticed that when I was in New York for a week on that BMX trip is that I'm like seeing stuff and writing it down in my phone of like oh this is something I'm going to mention on the podcast and it's the most mundane little shit it's just like you know a funny conversation that I witnessed in front of me in line at the bodega where this guy was trying to buy a fucking sandwich and he was trying to let the, let the guy get let him off without paying the last dollar of the bill or some shit like that and i'm just seeing these little slices of life that just stand out to me as like great conversations and then when i think about my actual day-to-day life now i'm much more likely to watch a documentary watch a podcast and then consider that to be a thing that Mm -hmm. i'm going to talk about on the podcast which is which is okay but it's also just kind of it's just not as real as like talking about your actual Mm -hmm. life of like real shit that you've seen Mm -hmm. you know yeah. No, it's great. And for me, it's tough because I don't, I can't talk about the stuff I do on video shoots, which is the most interesting stuff I do week in and week out because people are going to see that on my main channel. So yeah, I love it when I have little stuff like that. And that's sort of what Seinfeld's about. Like a guy mm-hmm. haggling over a dollar off on a sandwich at a bodega. Yeah. Like that sounds like the genesis of a Seinfeld storyline. Yeah. 
I love it when we talk about that stuff. And then the also, waitress points out the item on the menu with the middle finger. Is that what she did? To George, yeah. Okay, that's actually that's, an episode. You know, that's a whole episode. It's like he's pissed off. But your experience in that crappy Italian bodega in New York, that is so much more original than us talking about the number two trending Netflix series that mm-hmm. week because that experience is completely unique to you. Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, did you see... Uh, this Pamela Anderson documentary on Netflix? The number two trending you item it? this week. I saw it. I'm going to watch it now. Oh, because okay. my girlfriend and I, we watched the Pam and Tommy miniseries, which Leo is oh, in, by the okay. way. I skipped that. He was in it? He shows his ass in it. He's he's going to fuck one of the chicks in the ass. He's like a male porn performer. Oh, I will watch that just to see his ass. It's pretty good. They have only It's a nice ass. No, he, okay. he probably should. Um, but I did watch that miniseries, and it was it was inter- it okay. was enjoyable. It was I good. didn't see the miniseries, but I did see her talking about how the miniseries had a very uh, detrimental effect on her life and psyche. Shut up, Dan. <laughs> now you're getting paid ten million dollars to do this documentary because of the miniseries. Fair, but I mean, the thing that kind of struck me was just how she really was almost like blacklisted from the entertainment industry as a result of her sex tape coming out, which I don't think would really like, like because she had just had barbed wire come out. If you remember that, that was like her big movie debut where she was going to try to be taken serious as an actress and didn't really work. Movie didn't do that good. Mm -hmm. But then soon after that, the sex tape leaks and that was the end of her acting career. She kind of like just everything sort of went to shit for her after the sex tape came out, which it also occurred to me that I have never, I don't think I've ever seen the sex tape. I have. Yeah. I watched it as a young boy. There's I, good shit in there? That's the, the proper experience is to watch that as a child after you stole it from your friend's dad's bedroom. I think I heard about it a million times, but I don't think I ever saw it. I mean, good is a relative term. I'm sure compared to a lot of pornography today, it wouldn't be quote-unquote good. But Tommy Lee does have a giant penis, which objectively makes him a competent porn performer. Uh-huh. It's hard most of the time, too. And Pamela Anderson's hot. So, yeah, I guess, I guess it works. I was thinking about how if I met her, I probably shouldn't tell her that I had my first wet dream to her. I think you should. I think she'd probably like that, actually. I bet she hears that all the time, and I bet it would sound like a lie. Yeah, I can see that. You know, like, you know, he's kind of exaggerating. He's making me sound like I'm the greatest looking thing ever. Okay, I get it. But it's, I'm starting to believe more and more, especially after Louis C.K. just won a Grammy and just did Madison Square Garden, that cancellation is a choice. You let yourself be canceled. I mean, they can cancel you and there can be backlash, but how your career goes after the cancellation is your own choice. You can make it through anything. I mean, a, a court or a Kim Kardashian. It wasn't you think long Army, after that, that. Did Army Hammer choose to be canceled? I think Army Hammer's is pretty dark. That one is a tough one to come back from. I finally read that fucking article we were talking about like three weeks ago on here, and I am now convinced that Army Hammer didn't do shit. Really? Well, maybe not that he didn't do shit, but I mean, dude, like one of the primary accusations against him was that there was this like four hour rape that he perpetuated against this woman. Uh huh perpetrated i guess Uh he was you know raping her for four hours he had tweets and he has doctor's notes and he has everything that proves that he had pectoral surgery during that exact time period the idea that he would have been able to do almost anything physically Uh never mind this long drawn out torture session Uh is pretty fucking hard to believe i mean there's this like uh there's this woman effie who has an instagram account that has been like uh accusing army hammer of all this terrible stuff and saying that he raped her and everything and then they they come out with fucking screenshots of her communicating with other people on instagram acknowledging it was consensual it's just like there's this thing that i've been reading about uh scott adams i think coined this term where he said uh scott adams dilbert cartoonist big trump guy right 
he said that he calls it the documentary effect where you know any documentary is going to put together an amazing version of the point that they're trying to put out and with most documentaries i feel like these days you can kind of hop on twitter or, or google and like find compelling information that would make you think that the documentary is full of shit so i mean you know Andrew Tate, I watched that fucking Vice video about him, and by the end of it, I was like, oh, he, he must be fucking guilty. This seems terrible. And then I keep reading more and more stuff that makes me feel like, oh, like this seems like it's kind of bullshit. Mm -hmm. Well, Army Hammer definitely seems like he's a kinky guy. Mm -hmm. He was sexually assaulted as a child. I'm not really buying the idea that he's this monster. I think he was just into BDSM shit. I need to read that. And then also BDSM, too. It could so easily be after the fact. Mm. Like a, a woman could so easily claim that wasn't consensual. And if she was handcuffed and if she was getting whipped by a cat o' nine tails in the encounter, then obviously that looks so bad once it comes to light. And in this article, they actually said that um, that kinky celebrities are the new gay celebrities in the sense that in the 70s or 80s or 90s and even to an extent today if you're gay there's a massive incentive for you to not share it with the world because you won't get cast in roles etc and it's, it's almost like that with people who are into stuff like bdsm which i don't know exactly i, I don't know who's into it or not but like if you have any oh, oh, that's good if you have any sort of like really wild kink like that yeah. sharing it to the public is just kind of like not an option because it's going to get interpreted as abusive regardless of how clear you make it that you're only into doing this in a consensual manner right i would say even if you're just a guy who gets laid these days that is like being gay in the 80s you can't i mean you see what just happened to the maroon five guy i mean it was definitely no army hammer incident what happened to him though he was dming chicks like damn your ass oh, right, is yeah. fire what's his um, name adam levine adam right, levine right, right. just being a guy who gets chicks these days is really suspect like mm. be being non-binary or being gay or being faithfully married like those are your choices as a guy yeah you don't want to be like I'm trying to think of these actors like Clint Eastwood in the 70s or something and right. just be like or a Leo. Whis whiskey and broads. Yeah, Leo Leo is like being almost canceled because he bangs girls that are under 25. Right. Like he gets like it's cancellation without cancellation over him dating a 19-year-old now. And especially like when you introduce any element of getting fucked up into that, which to be fair, like the vast majority of people who are into casual sex or going out and trying to meet people and have casual sex with them, they're getting fucked up. They're, mm -hmm. they're at the very least drinking and they're probably doing other drugs as well, at least in this part of town. Yeah. Uh, and so that is like another whole another level where, mm -hmm. you know, you could just so easily get canceled. Yeah. If I knew a guy who had any sort of like professional Hollywood career going like that, you would very much expect them to not be dipping their toe into that shit at all because there's too much of a risk. And th think about how much of, like in our days of getting pussy in bars, how much of that is a negotiation and how much of that is like talking a girl into it and her playing the game like, oh no, I can't come back with you and like trying to make out with her in the corner of the bar. Imagine an A-list celebrity like any of those details surfacing or any of that conversation being transcribed like come on what do you my place is just a block away nobody's going to find out your friends are going to be fine without oh, yeah. you doesn't that sound like an article you've read in recent memory about yeah, someone it does <laughs> i know i mean i, mean, I would want to like breathalyze girls 
if I was single again. Yes. Breathalyze them. Have a, have a female assistant be present in the house. You know who used to do that was the situation. I think that actually got the situation from the Jersey Shore out of a couple sticky situations. He got accused of some stuff, but he had a female security guard that would be outside the door of the bedroom, which is quite genius. For you guys a are really, like really uh, investing in your own sexual pleasure. You're, you're not even getting a hooker. You're getting a security guard to ensure that the person you're having sex with can't make any false allegations about you. Smart, dude. What a genius. I actually heard. And he followed me the other day. The situation? I didn't message him and ask him why or anything, but. Let's get him on here, dude. Oh, I, I love that. Idea. I back the situation. Dude, his roast of Donald Trump is so legendary. I wonder how his abs look these days, because they were pretty fucking iconic back in the day. I have to imagine he's keeping those up. Yeah, I better. feel like if everything else falls away, the abs are good. Right. So, okay. Do we have like anything we should clear up here before I have to uh, hop, skip, and a jump on over to the Plug Talk house? I, I think you should clear up your microplasm situation. Well, I am not having sex on camera today, so that should be no problem. Okay, good. Yeah, I just I want you clean, buddy, for your wedding night. Yeah. Um, anything else? Um, I, I Do you have anything in mind? I mean, I kind of think since I drank like one and a half Keurigs that I was feeling pretty good. This has creatine in it, too, so I got to keep that in mind. Oh, my God. I got to finish it. You're I'm, an animal, dude. <laughs> I'm sponsored. Gorilla yeah. Mind. Are you? Well, they. I, I asked, okay, so that dude, more plates, more dates, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a, a supplement company called Gorilla Mind, who I am now doing an unpaid uh, promotional read for. Yeah, this is... So really, you should probably get, like, a significant percentage of the creatine. Yeah, I want to cut. I'm going to go in there and get a handful. I get, DM'd him the other day, it. and I said, hey, I'm about to be out of this creatine. Is there any chance I can get some more of it? I got a box of so much fucking creatine. I'm going to be on this shit for years. And they gave me mad pre-workout that I do not want to get into. Oh, yeah. That's a slippery slope, man. Because I heard that if you get into it, you just got to like quit it at some point because it's so gnarly. I feel like I'm already drinking enough coffee. It's it's like plastic surgery, dude. Once once you get Botox, you don't stop. I would take pre-workout to podcast. Pre-podcast. <laughs> That's it's like a, Alpha Brain. That could be our supplement. I think we we need a product. Well, dude, we I'm, need I'm a product. taking the fucking jizz supplement from More Plates, More Dates. Why not take the the podcasting? It's got to be premium pricing because our market is so small. Only people with podcasts. It's got to be like 199 dollars per bottle. Do you know what I regret that I didn't do back in the day? What's we that? talked about doing a Xanax podcast, and we talked about doing a cocaine podcast, and a and a, a lean pod. We talked about that shit so much back in the day. Well, you and I could revive that. No, because we could do a Xanax. I, I feel podcast. like if you take a Xan, you're going to do something gay to me. But then also, <laughs> it's just like my business has gotten to the point where it's like if I were to like do a pod with some of the homies where we were clearly off Zans. I don't know. It just doesn't really seem like a good thing. I feel like it would be used against me in some way. People you have would, a child now. Things yeah, have people would make. Yeah, right. Like I'm gonna be fucking trying to get my kid into a private school, and they're gonna be like, "Well, last week you put out a podcast where you <laughs> fucking snorted Xanax with your friends on camera." <laughs> but I wish I had gotten that shit out of the way back in the day because there's been so many times back. I haven't done coke in like four years. But there was many times back in the day where I would be off coke, having conversations with people, just thinking, oh, my God, what if this was recorded? Uh -huh. What if this was a podcast? It would be fucking insane. A bunch of my guys were doing acid and shrooms this weekend in Joshua Tree. And we're going to try that on Patreon. We're going to leave that footage up on Patreon, which might result in a, sn a slap on the wrist. From Patreon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of just doing drugs and recording it? Yeah, can you do that on Patreon? I'm pretty sure. The only things that Patreon ever told us we weren't allowed to do was just uh, sex and masturbation. You can't show penis either, which is a real letdown. 
You can't show penis unless they've changed their terms. But yeah, I, well, we we have on the No Jumper Patreon we have full frontal nudity. But I cock don't, you? No, I don't think we've ever had a male penis on there. You can't but, have penises, male penises. That's very weird to me, though. Or at least you couldn't in 2019 or early 2020. That's what I was told very gently by their trust and safety team. Like, hey, Danny, would you mind taking the penis down? Really? Yeah. Well, it's nice that they warned you. They're super nice. Yeah. That's the great thing about Patreon is they didn't give me a strike and send me a really angry email. Like a dude reached out and just explained it and was super apologetic and just asked if I could remove it. Hmm. I love Patreon, dude. They got me like a private guy who like actually speaks English and teaches me how to maximize stuff. Well, we might really be on to something if it turns out that Carmen Karma's vagina and boobs were allowed on Patreon but that uh, this penis that you were documenting wasn't. Think we got a lawsuit? Like, dude, fucking, oh no. Actually, I think Cigar Guy was one of the main reasons why we had to get an OnlyFans as well as a Patreon because we needed to upload him getting his butt fingered by Kazumi. We had to. We had to. You That's, haven't seen him in a long time? He fled to Florida. Is, and people are saying that we need to get a private eye to track him down, which I partially agree well, with. I like that idea. Dude, there is so well, much lore surrounding Cigar Guy. But I feel like if he wants to like leave your collective then we should probably just let him and not like hire a private investigator right yeah i mean it'd be nice to see where he is but i mean we we can't force him back into our squad i think he's getting like facial reconstructive surgery i think he might at this point see i'm gonna be real with you being a, a character on the danny mullen universe for a short period of time is it's it's different than doing porn because if you do porn and then you go get a job and you're a teacher and you try to just act like everything's all good. There's a pretty good chance that people are going to like find you on some random porn site. But if you spend six months of your life being a Danny Mullen lackey and then you go on the No Jumper podcast and you get your ass fingered by an Asian <laughs> woman, et cetera. I mean, like, and then, you know, a couple of years pass by and you're working in fast food and then you get a good job. I mean, is anyone who works for you really going to like go figure out that you're on this Patreon? Now, maybe they would like hear about it if they happen to have a friend who watches the Danny Mullen show or whatever. Like maybe they, they could find out, but it's not like, oh, I'm going to go search their name on Pornhub and that's how I'm going to find out. Yes. You know? And the top porn star chicks uh, collectively across tube sites are racking in 50, 100 million views. Uh, Riley Reed, the really top girls, billions and billions of views. Mm. The reach is international. It's ubiquitous. Whereas Cigar Guy getting fingered on what might have been a Patreon it episode, was. nobody's going to hear about or see that in a couple of years. Even us as people who were there, we were just trying to forget about it even as it happened. I've masturbated to it a couple times. I saw a dookie speck on her finger. Did you actually? No. You should have called that out if that actually happened. I should, I should have just stuck with it there. Yeah, you should have just insisted that there was shit on her finger. That would have been a fun element of the lore. Yeah. Anyway, um, we'll be back next week. I think we should... Are you good on Tuesday mornings normally? Let me get back to you on that. Morning slash afternoon. Let me get that, back that would kind of be like my ideal thing is to have this come out like Wednesday afternoon, record it Tuesday. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be a problem, let me confirm, because okay. there's probably something in my stupid brain right now that I'm forgetting. Right. But I, I don't I don't think it should be a problem. Well, the level of rage that I witnessed in the comments section about us not doing the No Jumper Show live was pretty intense. Huh. But I think they'll get over it sooner or later. Huh. The views are actually like better than I would expect them to be normally if we had done it live. Hmm. Which I was pretty surprised by, because I always think that being live kind of inflates your view count. Mm. because there's just so many people that'll see it while it's premiering and click onto it for a minute and then exit out and that that's just going to count as another view mm -hmm. so it kind of like bumps up your view count i think but that doesn't appear to be the case so well we've never done the show live so 
Yeah. If we start doing it on a Tuesday morning after I have Monday to shake off the rust from the weekend, I might be ready for live. Might oh. have more brain power, baby. I'm anti-live, though. What's that? I'm anti-live. You're anti-live? Unalive. I mean, they, you're unalive? I mean, think about if we'd done the Gracie Jane episode live. There could have been... Oh, I well, I mean, at least we wouldn't have been blamed would have been a good thing. Yeah, no, I've thought about that. But then I also thought about how if the people had been able to see how we reacted to it, it might not have been that flattering because we clearly didn't really understand. You know, like you would have been able to hear me saying, uh, what the fuck? Like, we're not gonna be able to put this out. But then like, like if it had been live, hopefully it would have occurred to us as being a very different situation that we needed to end right then and there. But it would have been much harder to blame us. Yes, which is the important thing. <laughs> Sledge Lords, we out.